Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Athletics Life Stories with your host, Chris Broadbent. My friends in athletics, it was nice that one of us finally sort of did it. <laughs> so I took unpaid leave in the lead up to qualification for Sydney and I never went back. <laughs> yeah, a lot of joy from it, but it's like so stressful compared to being an athlete. <laughs> Welcome to Athletics Life Stories with myself, Chris Broadbent. Today I'm joined by European and Commonwealth medalist and twice Olympian, Helen Cletherow. A true mainstay of the UK endurance running scene, she represented her country on track, road and cross country and was incredibly versatile from 1500 metres to 10k via steeplechase. She's now making a name for herself in the coaching sphere. Helen, it's good to see you. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> good. So you are, you're from Preston, aren't you? Where you still live? I am. Preston born and bred. Good, I'm proud of it. Yeah, what was your childhood like in Preston? Were you, were you quite sporty right from the off? Um, yeah, I grew up in a small village um, in Guzna. Um, my primary school had about 60 pupils, um, so we were like quite a rural area. So we sort of grew up just, you know, playing out. But luckily at primary school, um, we had two teachers who were quite sporty. Um, so we did quite a lot of gymnastics, athletics, that's where I started running one of my teachers used to take us out on a running club um so yeah always quite keen on on sport generally um started doing like athletics properly at primary school but joined an athletics club at probably age 11. Mm-hmm. And that so, was yeah. Preston Harriers was it I assume yeah? Yeah I joined Preston Harriers when I was 11 years old so uh yeah I remember I did the pre- Preston primary schools cross country a few times and uh found out there was a athletics club and I was like what this is like this is where I need to be and I remember telling people that I would be joining Preston Harriers when I went to high school you know I was like quite <laughs> proud because mum said mum and dad had said you can join when you go to high school you know so uh yeah it was always something that I was sort of drawn towards uh right from being sort of a primary school age kid. And did you have a family background at all in sports? No not really my dad was grew up on a farm and he always claims that he could have uh, 
done well if he'd had the opportunities but he was you know into sort of bodybuilding and things like that as a sort of teenager and into his sort of 20s so he was I'm probably genetically blessed from his his side of the family um but yeah no no sort of major sporting stories in my family history right okay okay and what about yourself then what was the first um time you started to, to, to really succeed um, I, I guess my background's a bit different to others in that I joined my club and was sort of, you know, a good club athlete, trying to make the Lancashire team for, you know, English schools or um, county championships, that sort of thing on the cross country and the track. You know, maybe I did make the English schools twice for 800 metres, never got in the final. Um, was not, you know, wasn't sort of an outstanding kid really. I didn't do anything as a as a junior in terms of sort of England or Great Britain, um, but just enjoyed enjoyed running, enjoyed competing. Had a really great group at Preston. I remember one year at English Skills, I think so maybe six of the team were from my club for the for my age group. You know, so we had a really good fun atmosphere and a good group of of athletes who sort of we just were good mates really. And I think that's just was I just loved it. I didn't really ever think or even got told by anyone that if you did this you could go to the Olympics you know I don't think it was ever really um something that I particularly thought about although I sort of obviously was into athletics I didn't think there was you know I didn't think I could become that good um and I guess when I was maybe I I started a job when I was 18 and the sort of idea of taking a year out before (laughs) before going to uni and that's when I started so I'd be focusing a little bit more on my running and just uh, getting into it a little bit more and there was a girl at my club at the time who uh, made, made the team for the world cross as a junior and that really inspired me because I was like okay I'm a little bit older than her but I'm not that much different to her in training and that was sort of gave me a bit of a eye-opener as to what you could maybe do if you sort of put your mind to it so I was probably I was quite a late developer Um, I think I was 20 and I did a an under 23 sort of GB international at Hexham and the last year of under 23s and then um my first GB senior vest was I was 24 so I was you know a late developer really when you think what people are achieving now in their teens and early 20s um but maybe that's why I had such a long career as I did yeah yeah what was it because I know it was your first one at three A's medal at 97 so you like you say about 20 23 24 when yeah. you started to develop what was the role of the BMC in this the British Miners Club um yeah I'd, I'd always gone down I mean live, live near Manchester so the the Stratford meets and then the BMCs there were sort of on the radar from being mm. a kid um and really started going to all the sort of GP events around the country sort of trying to just I just started you know enjoying doing them and I was doing okay in them so I suppose that's where I started on the track realizing that I could maybe be pretty competitive um and for me it was you know that's where I learned how to race and sort of worked out who was you know in in my sort of age group who was sort of I needed to be as good as or beat you know you've got to remember back then we didn't have the information that we have now you know you, you had to wait for Athletics Weekly to come out to sort of troll through the results and see who'd done what you know you didn't really it wasn't the sort of um immediate information that you get now about your competitors or even yourself so uh yeah that was you know I loved I loved doing the BMC races and it was always a massive part of you know my sort of race plan and season from you know before I became you know GB sort of level athlete but even after that I always kept 
you know, some BMCs in my race plan because they always just work yeah. really well for me. Good, good. And then 1998, you got to you you selected for the World Cross Country and the Commonwealth Games in Kuala Lumpur yeah. as well. That's when you first stepped on the big stage, I guess. Um, what was the um, what was what was the experience like first of all for actually getting to that that stage for the first time? Yeah, like the the World Cross was a massive breakthrough for me. Um, it was the first time that 4K had been in the event, so it was there was a long course and short course, so that really attracted my attention because I was a 1500 meter runner. Um, I sort of went down to the trials, didn't really know what was going on, um, and made the team. And I remember sort of hearing people saying, "Who's that?" sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a massive breakthrough, and it was you know a real a real learning opportunity as well because we went on um, a training camp to Portugal beforehand, and then you know Paul Radcliffe was there, Liz Yellen, all these athletes I'd sort of you know read about in Athletics Weekly for all these years, and I was quite green to it all. I mean, I remember I've told this story to a few people, but I remember I didn't even know people went training twice a day honestly like I remember ringing my coach up and going they're going for another run like what should I do he's like no stick to the plan so I was you know I was lucky that my coach was sort of really smart and didn't rush things so even at that level I was sort of had work to do had developing to do because yeah. I'd, I'd come at, it at a later age so yeah it was a real eye-opener as to what these athletes were doing in sort of in terms of their training weeks compared to what I was doing and although I didn't run twice a day at that point, I was swimming quite a lot. Um, so I suppose I was double day, but not really appreciating the the value of the swimming, um, which is probably why I was able to run at that level. <laughs> but yeah, so that was a, that was amazing. And then the Commonwealth Games was just, yeah, that was an amazing opportunity. I was sharing an apartment with Diane Medell and Kelly Holmes, you know. So again, it was just like, you know, like a dream sort of going in and being amongst these athletes who sort of, you know have have a massive reputation and just realizing that they're just normal people like you who train hard and mm. trying to sort of achieve their goals so yeah and and from then it was sort of like every year I sort of thought right this is what I've got to do you know it gave me the impetus to sort of drive forward from there and and to be honest I, I was you know um, I know I was very lucky in that I I did make teams most years for what I sort of set out to do so yeah I was pretty lucky like that yeah, yeah. You started to make world championship teams, but then the big one, I guess, you got to 2000 was a big year for you, wasn't it? You won the European Cup at Gateshead. Um, yeah. You got to the Olympics, obviously, the big one in Sydney. Um, and you also, I mean, you ran a, a really good 1500 metres that year, didn't you? You got into 404. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, that's a big, big step, isn't it? Yeah, I'd um, going into the Olympic year, I'd, I'd been working full time um, just for my local council, and I'd sort of cut down my hours a little bit and me and my husband well we would just moved in together um me and my then boyfriend but now husband and we were sort of like you know we really think I can make the Olympics so I went to work and asked if they'd give me a little bit of unpaid leave so I took um unpaid leave from I think it was from about the March April time in the lead up to sort of qualification for Sydney and I never went back (laughs) 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 but yeah so you know we took a punt really because we'd only just bought our house and you know it was I didn't wasn't really earning any money from athletics so took a punt that we thought it was you know let's just see if we if I if I put everything into this if I can get to the Olympics because like I said already sort of made world champs the year before and you know it was running pretty fast so yeah that was um something that 
probably made a difference that year um, in that I was sort of fully committed to training and not sort of getting up at the crack of dawn to do my run and go to work and all that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it was massive. I mean, that European Cup win at, at Gateshead was a real boost for me because I think I went into that competition as like, you know, the, the statistician would sort of say, oh yeah, yeah you're probably going to come six or something like that and it was the second day of the competition and we were like looking like we were going to get relegated and so every point counted so to win that um race when you were sort of not really expected to was massive breakthrough for me um it was a real it's probably one of my nicest memories because it was at Gateshead it was a really Mm. massive crowd in there and sort of remember like running around lap of honor after because it meant so much for the team and you know that was that was like I was like wow this is you know the first time I've got to have you know won something like that you know where yeah. it proper something. athlete then aren't you proper athlete yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, yeah it was a real sort of moment for me um and then obviously yeah making the team for Sydney was was massive and I think again you know it's like you learn a lot from it, all these experiences I sort of just wanted to get out of the first round I was like just I don't want to go out in the first round and I got to the semi-final and then I, it was almost like I'd not thought to that point what do I do when I get to the semi-final so again it was like a real learning experience I'm not saying that if I'd have thought differently I'd have got to the final but I just thought yeah I've got to think further than that now it's like it's not good enough to just make a team and try and scrape out of a a heat um so it's then it was like so it's just learning isn't it and I suppose that's what every athlete does uh is is learn along the way it's like how do you approach sort of a competition in terms of mindset as well as sort of realistic expectations of what you might achieve there but yeah, yeah. So it was yeah, it was so good to you know be part of part of that competition and a cool olympics to attend <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. can you explain like the um you know for people that listen the the, the, the magnitude of going to olympic games i mean you, you know you go to world champs you go to the europeans commonwealth even and the big there are big big events but the olympics is just yeah I I think, it's, it's so much bigger isn't it so much yeah I mean difference. in terms of competition level worlds and olympics are the same but in terms of I guess the outside world looking in the olympics is the thing that matters because it's multi it's all the sports everyone knows about it it means something it's sort of tangible to most people so I think you know for all sports the olymp if you if your sport is an olympic sport it's it's the ultimate goal isn't it to compete there um and I guess it's that you know the the old saying that they always say once an Olympian always an Olympian you know it's like something that you have for the rest of your life whereas nobody really bothers if you've been to world champs you don't have that oh once once a competitor Mm. at world champs but you know it's it has it's it's something that means something to everyone in the world really whether you're into sport or not so I think like that's one of the reasons it's so massive but yeah it it is it's just um it's a big deal isn't it you know and like when you've finished and retired you sort of appreciate these these things that you've done like at the time you just sort of on to the next one um but yeah. that like looking back now I'm you know I really appreciate all them moments and opportunities that I had yeah good good uh, a couple of years forward and you've, you've got the nearest thing there to a home games for you at the Manchester Commonwealth Games um yeah so it's, it's you know it's you're not going to get the Commonwealth Games in Preston, are you? But in Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like in my so, head, it was a home game. So, yeah, so it's uh, a, big, a big deal, that one for you, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was really, it was massive because I think like now I, I remember talking to an athlete uh, recently, you know, a couple of years ago about the Commonwealth Games coming to Birmingham and they were like, oh, it's not very exotic. I'm like, trust me, it will be the best 
thing you ever did if you made the team, you know, because running at a home competition, although we have had quite a few competitions over the past sort of decade, I suppose, in the UK, it's, it's rare. And to get that moment, you know, where you have, opportunity, you know, most of your friends and family can get a ticket and the crowd is on your side and it's in like pretty much your hometown. Um, it, it's so, it's, it was really special for me. And also, you know, to make, get a medal and be on the podium with, three other British, uh, two other British athletes, the so three of us British, Kelly Holmes won. So we had the national anthem. It was almost like, you know, like winning. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was a, you know, a brilliant memory for me. And, uh, you know, to get get a medal, my first medal at a big competition was, you know, um, was massive. It took, me, it took me a few more years to get my next one, but <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right, yeah. sport, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> sport, you can't win them all. You can't win them all, no. No. <laughs> But you, I bought that year. You ran, you ran your fastest 1500 meters, didn't you? Uh, 401 yeah, in, yeah. in um in Monaco. Um, what do you remember about that? Yeah, I mean that, you know, that was a a really great race for me. It was just one of them races where you know you read about people saying they're in the zone and didn't. It was just one of them races where I just felt amazing. And you know, looking back against who the people who I was racing against, it probably was you know this was some perhaps dodgy people oh there. was it so you paced long but okay it makes makes my I feel like it was a you know an even better run than I perhaps thought it was at the time right um but yeah you know I would have loved to have gone under four minutes for 1500 but um yeah I was pretty close and at the time that was you know that was sort of up there you know and it gave me sort of confidence that I could sort of be competitive in in the big races if I had that time so I think that probably helped me at the Commonwealth to sort of go in and and you know believe I could win a medal or even win it you know that was sort of gave me a lot of confidence going in so once you've run a sort of time like that you can you can be competitive in a, a major competition if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound and you might be wondering if they're right for you meet plush care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey if you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What, what, which of those venues did you most enjoy that, that on, the, on the circuit? I mean, you, you know, you've competed at Brussels and uh, Monaco, yeah. Zurich, you know. There's yeah, Monaco is a really cool meeting I think it was like that night in particular loads of the Brits ran really well I think Paula ran a maybe a record over 3k and a few of the people you know like it felt like it was just one of those nights that was special um and then I guess of the other places it's usually associated with a good result rather than or you know like mm. the crowd's amazing like Brussels is an amazing meet to be you know be a part of the crowd's always massive and really loud and they know their athletics so meets like that are are always fun um but yeah you usually I, I suppose my better memories are what for ones where I've I've done well myself yeah, <laughs> not, yeah. not been sort of 
at the back end of the race. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always makes it more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, back in Brussels, you mentioned Brussels there. You had a good result at the World Cross in 2004, 19th in the short course there, um, which actually, you know, is a, you know, it's tough. You know, people can talk about the World Cross as being like the hardest spot race in the world. And, you know, you've got six Kenyans there, six Ethiopians. You don't have that when you race 500 metres. They're all from different disciplines. Exactly. It's a good result, isn't it? Yeah, it was a really good result. Um, you know, again, like I did the world crossing, I did the short course eight times. Um, so that was my best result. I was around 20th a few times, but yeah, coming the top 20 was, mm. I thought that was, you know, a, a good marker. Um, and it was, you know, a good sort of, to, we all sort of used to sort of think if you got in the top 20, that was a very good run. Um, it was, you know, running the 4K at the world cross was, a fun thing for me I didn't even entertain doing indoors until I think 2005 was the first time I did indoors I didn't it, it just never even entered my head because I so enjoyed doing the 4k at the world you know trying to make the team for the world cross so uh, you know it gave me a lot of um, opportunities and, and it was fun and it, it probably you know the training made me strong as well for the summer and for what I wanted to achieve in the summer so I think it's a shame that the 4k is not there anymore <laughs> mm, yeah yeah but you didn't make the, the olympics that year you were third in the trials what was the story there yeah i had a little bit of a niggle earlier on in the year and i was just a few weeks behind in training i think i ran the qualifying time maybe a week and a half after the cutoff date yeah. so it was just one of those years where i you know i still ran pretty i think i'd ran 404 by the end of the season or something like that but it was just too late um yeah, so that was that was a massive disappointment for me. Um, and probably the only champs. I think there was only that champs and the world champs in oh, yeah, three. I didn't I didn't make the team for them two years. Um, I did other competitions, but um, you know they they were sort of a bit disappointing off the back of like two thousand and two, where I thought I was really going to kick on. Um, and it wasn't like major injuries; it was just like little niggles and just things just didn't click quite in time. Um, but that's like I say that's part and parcel of being in a sport like athletics it's all timing isn't it I, mean, I do think yeah. about oh, Kelly, Kelly Holmes obviously took all the headlines but it's probably the only year in her life she was in perfect health top of the world her rivals were just on the way down it's timing isn't it exactly exactly yeah a lot of it's about timing and luck and your know, stars aligning and the on the right yeah. date yeah yeah, yeah, good. So the next few years, you you uh, you did dabble indoors, but there was a few near misses for you, wasn't there? You were 10th of the world champs in Helsinki, 4th at the European indoors, dabbled with that, finals at Commonwealth and Europeans. Um, yeah, I mean, do you, are you starting to, what, what, what's your thought process when you get into, you know, close yeah. but not no cigar? <laughs> yeah, I'd been, I think I was 4th twice at European indoors, 1500, 4th mm. at the Commonwealths. It was just, you know, like you just thought, I think, well, I did, you know, I was getting older as well because, I, like I said, I was in my, you know, getting towards mid 20s when I started doing athletics. I was like getting into my 30s and I felt like I was getting asked a lot, when are you, when are you finishing rather than what you're going to do next? And I even thought, well, I've not run fast, you know, my fastest times from 2002. You know, we sort of, I started thinking, have I, have I made, you know, have I done, all I can and I suppose that was one of the reasons I, I switched to steeple um it was a little bit like I was a little bit pushed towards that by British athletics because it was a, a new event for women going into the Beijing Olympics so yeah. that was a I guess that was a new in, impetus and there's something to try and you know kept me 
in the sport probably um but yeah I guess I was at that point where you know I was thinking have I, have I reached my sort of potential at 1500 and you know you've got to remember it was a time where there was quite a lot of you know dodgy athletes around as well so actually you know that race in Helsinki I probably when you look at who's since been given a, a doping ban you know it would probably have been in the top six in that race and that would have been yeah. a completely different story it would have impacted funding it would have impacted sponsorship it would have impacted my belief in what I could do in 1500 so they you know there's things that that went on that you sort of think well you think you're not in the top eight in the world but you probably were you know and that then makes the next decision but you know doing the steeple was um I I didn't love it (laughs) the whole time but I don't you know I I think it gave me then last few years of my career which were you know the most fun and memorable things that I I did you know running some fast times and having some amazing experiences so you know and and obviously went to the Beijing Olympics with steeplechase which is really really brilliant so yeah the steeplechase was uh, you know probably the thing that kept me in the sport for a little bit longer um and just get I think that's the beauty of doing endurance running is you can you know if you're versatile you can have a lot of fun with it you know I've, I've competed for Great Britain over 1500 3k 3k steeplechase 5k um you know I've, I've run some good road racing you can you know run across country you can you can be so versatile and just keep it interesting and that you know I'm dead lucky that I had I had the ability to sort of switch around a little bit and just try something different so um yeah I suppose that was one you know when the 1500 was becoming a little bit like stagnant it gave me it, it gave me something else to do and try which was really yeah. good yeah, a couple of things there. The um, you've mentioned it, there's a it was a dodgy time. It was a dodgy. Were you aware of that at the time, or is it something you've just looked at in retrospect now? Um, I mean, there's always people chatting about stuff, and I just chose to sort of think, well, unless I've been, unless anything official comes out, I'll believe that everyone I'm lining up against is the same as me and doing it fairly, because um, otherwise it's just very dis- it's it's just too depressing to be honest with you and then I guess in retrospect you know you know I've had things pointed out or I've just seen that people have been given a ban or whatever and you sort of think oh right okay you know um you know even in the steeplechase I missed the final at the Beijing Olympics by I think it was like a tenth of a second but you know there was Russians in there there was people who then you know served bans and stuff and that, that so you think well I would have been an Olympic finalist if those people yeah. hadn't been there and that's you know and I can't say that was an Olympic finalist so the stuff like that you think well that's disappointing but it doesn't change that I still had an amazing time doing my athletics and you know yeah. and some amazing opportunities and enjoyed it so you know yeah. as much as it's like annoying it's like it doesn't change anything really yeah well but the, so the steeplechase itself what how much technical work goes into that well I was I think I was 32 when I first started it I'd never jumped over a hurdle like properly in my yeah. life other than like messing around at the track when I was a kid um and for me that was the hardest bit like I was in shape on the flat but I found the technical aspect quite challenging in that I you know I stuttered quite a lot into a barrier and it just used to wind me up quite a lot so I found it quite frustrating for that reason so you know I some people don't have to practice um the hurdles that much you know I've, I've trained with 
you know, other steeplechasers on camps and stuff, you know, like people like Barbara Parker, just a natural hurdler. She'd come yeah. from a heptathlon background, you know, just didn't even really have to practice the hurdles. It just came natural, whereas I did, because the timing of it was just, you know, I found it so tricky. Um, but I guess that was because it was, a, you know, completely new to me in my 30s. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, luckily I was, you know, quite robust in that, you know, did, you know, always quite a strong athlete, did quite, you know, always did my German um I think I could deal my body could deal with doing that event it's quite it's tough it's a tough event on your body um so yeah I, yeah we work quite hard technically and I went to various people to ask for help <laughs> as, you know for the hurdling and tried various different things and I probably you know if I'd have stuck at the event for another couple of years maybe I would have made a step forward from the time that I ran but I think I just was like you know I think I did it for three seasons um yeah. And yeah, I was ready to go move to 5k, 10k after that. <laughs> right. Did Did you ever fall in the water jump? Um, I didn't fully fall. You know, you do a few sort of staggers into it. Like I, I, I often tell the story of my first steeplechase, and um, I just uh, decided that my first one would be at the Doha Super Grand Prix. So my first ever steeplechase I did in like a big event, and we'd practice the water jump once beforehand and my coach done it all um I was like refusing it like a horse would <laughs> so in the end he like ran and jumped the water jump in his like full tracksuit just to prove that <laughs> I could do it so yeah I was I went out I honest to god I think I did a full squat every water jump so like the first 2k was not too bad you know time wise I was like um oh, could run okay here and then absolutely died on the last k and i remember walking off the track ringing john saying absolute joke no way i'm doing this again you know <laughs> i stick to the flat races but then um practice i'm good friends with stuart stokes and um, we live quite close to one another so called him up and he helped me quite a lot with the water jump and then in the next one i sort of knocked a massive chunk off just because i'd improved that a little bit so you know that's quite satisfying and that you can work on something and knock a chunk off your time just because you've technically improved but yeah, yeah the first the first one oh it was <laughs> it was tough yeah bet, <laughs> I think I, I totally underestimated it as an event and I have complete respect for anyone who does a steeplechase it is a tough event it's an outlier isn't it I always think it's an outlier yeah. it looks weird sometimes on the yeah track, I can't actually things. believe I used to do it I'm like I can't <laughs> believe I jumped over them things um but yeah it's uh it is it's an interesting event but it's tough and you know it's great that it's becoming more and more competitive and you know it's not just sort of especially for the women you know it used to be oh if you can't do the 1500 try the steeplechase whereas now it's like no you have to be a good steeplechaser to do well in steeplechase it doesn't you know you just you can't just sort of try your luck and hope you know hope it goes well for a season I think you've got to fully commit to it because it is that standard is just on a different level now um you know so it's it's that's great to see and it's great that it's been given more respect um yeah over the last few years yeah sometimes events take a while to mature don't they and that's that's certainly reached it now yeah yeah hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film If only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, but you do, I mean, do you take that Olympics in Beijing as a success? You know, you got to the semis. Oh, yeah. TV record, you know. Yeah, it was, you know. <laughs> Even though it was like, it was a high and a low. It was like, finished, I'd run a, a massive PB. So I'd run my best race that I'd ever done. You know, and that's what you go to the Olympics. You go to any competition to run the best that you've ever done. So I did that. Um, and it was a British record. So that was really nice. But then, so I remember waiting in the, uh, you know, after you come off the tracks, so I was in one of the first heats, sort of waiting, waiting. And I think I was in anti-doping, sort of waiting, because I'd done a British record, had to go in anti-doping. And then it came on the thing, the screen that I'd missed out by a tenth. I was like, oh. But, you know, so it was like I was still, you know, I remember myself and John were sort of like, you know, we were buzzing that I'd I'd achieved what we'd set out to achieve, which was to run my best on that day. Um, But, yeah, it was bittersweet, I suppose, to not make the final because that would have been a great, great thing to sort of have on your sort of CV. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then you said already, but uh, I'm sorry to bring it up again, but there was um, there was a couple more near misses, wasn't there, coming going forward, like fourth in the next Commonwealth Games in Delhi, seventh in the World Indoors. Um, and you were, you were quite old for an athlete, were you, the spring chicken yeah. at that time, I'm really honest yeah. with you. <laughs> yeah, so after um, the Commonwealth in Delhi, I mean, the, the truth of that one is I went there for the 1500. And when I was there, I, I hadn't j- jumped a barrier all season. I turned turned my ankle early in the season, so I just sort of thought, I, I just said I'm just going to do 1500. And I made the ta- I made the team sort of on one of the last races. I ran the time for Commonwealth for 1500, so I got picked for 1500. But because I'd done the qualifying time earlier in the season, they were like, "Do you want you're on the team anyway? We have only got like one person doing the steeple. Would you like to do it?" And it was like the day after the 1500 final. So I said, well, I'll do it. I said, I'm just going to see how I am. So I'd literally not jumped over a barrier the whole summer. Um, and, then I, and then I came forth and the girl in front of me was like, so I started off really tentatively. And then the Kenyan girl in front of me fell at the last water jump. And I was like, oh, my God. I could, yeah. And then so now I'm like, oh, maybe if I'd properly trained for that, I could have got a medal at that Commonwealth. But actually to come forth was pretty ridiculous considering that I'd not even gone there to do that event but yeah after that Commonwealth it was a little bit of a a turning point for me I would sort of remember talking to John and saying you know what do you reckon and I'd been um, at that point I'd trained with um, Trevor Painter for a year um, and then I went back to John who had been my coach most of my athletics career um, and I sort of said look and what do you think about maybe doing the 5k or 10k um with eyes on sort of 2012 um and so he said why don't you come to Kenya there's like a camp British athletics camp it's a new thing um London Marathon are, are back in these camps like you, you know you could come on it and that's why I said right I'll come I'll just do whatever training you're setting for the group I'm just in I'll do it so I went to Kenya and it like I feel like it was just like one of them mo- like an epiphany <laughs> it was like I just I love the simple nature of it I just got you know got my head down got on with the training um it was just basic 
you know, good group of guys there to train with. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. And we came back from there, did the Eurocross, didn't run particularly well. Went back to Kenya again. I think I went on maybe like New Year's Eve or Boxing Day or something. So I was like pretty much straight back in for January. And we had no real goals to do the indoor season because we were like, no, we're getting ready for 5K in the summer. Was this the first um, time that you've been to Kenya or been to some sort of high altitude I, situation? I've done altitude training a lot. We'd mainly gone to Potch actually um, when I was running 1500s. But So it's the first sort of higher altitude camp I'd done. And then the first sort of double exposure. So like going in the sort of November and then going again in, I think it was November we went, and then going again in the January. Um, and when I we went back in January, I just I absolutely hit the ground running. I was, and we were like... I said well I think we should do indoors you know I think I'm in good shape um so it was really a bit of a late decision to do the indoors and like you say I was I was 37 and came back from Kenya on, on the January camp and went and did the um Glasgow meet um GB USA sort of indoor meet and broke the stadium record like front run I think I front run about 8.45 or something like that yeah, yeah you know so it's like you know we were like running pretty well here yeah, and then just sort yeah. of uh, I think I ran a 1500 and like 405 indoors which was a good time for indoors um and literally I, don't, I didn't even feel like I'd run one lap at 1500 meter pace in training you know so there was a few things it just like like you say the stars were aligning I was it, it just worked for me um it was just a new it just gave me a new lease of life um going there and obviously the training we were doing suited me you know training yeah. for longer stuff really suited me so that's one of the things training at a high altitude for the first time and doing two camps sort of quite close to one another obviously worked for me and um, so I think yeah it was just one of those things that I think oh I wish we could have tried that earlier <laughs> um but you know it was it was you know brilliant you know, obviously coming back and then you know doing having such a good race at the european indoor champs um yeah i mean the whole year was it was the year of your life really wasn't it you know, year of your it career, was really. yeah I mean, to go it to the really european was. doors you went to the european doors and, and won the 3000 meters you won it i mean yeah. I'll, I'll be honest with you you weren't one of the stars of the team but that weekend you were the star of the team <laughs> i think i think I, like looking back i just know that there were so many people like oh at last <laughs> <laughs> you've been here all these years sort of on the team and you know the all you know almost girl quite a lot of it and yeah. you know I knew I knew everyone quite well so I think like it just it was just nice I think for a lot of my friends in athletics it was nice that one of us finally sort of did it <laughs> you know and um and also like just coming home from that you just sort of I realized like how many people were sort of in my corner was really nice you know even just like people locally I think I used to think they must think I was just some sort of weirdo who's always out running and you know they just see me there's that girl who runs all the time and but you know so many people were like oh we saw you run and that you know it was really nice um so I think like you say it had been a long time coming to actually get on top of the podium and win something <laughs> after does all make, that does it make it sweeter that you've gone through all those years of near missed and you, you know you can appreciate it rather than it happening you know when you're yeah. 20 or whatever oh yeah 100 percent. I think you know I always tried to be somebody who appreciated what I was doing and never really thought oh I'll do this next you know it's always like this could be my last time doing this make sure you appreciate it especially as I got older you know in you know 
into my thirties, I was like, anything's a bonus now. Um, mm. So yeah, it, I guess it did. It, it made, made me appreciate it because it's not easy. It's not easy winning medals in this sport, um, especially in endurance running. Yeah. So everything that's gone before you, like, you just sort of it makes it worth it, I suppose. You know that commitment from yourself, from your family. <clears throat> you know. I've I've actually got I'll tell you a story. I've got a personal memory actually. I do you remember um I remember in twenty I happened to but happened to be at the Commonwealth Games in uh, Delhi in twenty ten and I was reporting there. Uh and I interviewed you in the in the mix zone, you know, with athletes come off the track and speak to the journalists after the races. And I can't remember the exact question I asked you, but it sort of alluded to being like, you know, we're the same age actually. So it alluded to being like, you know, you're 36, Helen, you know, how long, how long is it going to go on for this? I, I was alluding to that, are you going to retire, you know, you, you know? Uh, and you said, you, I remember you distinctly, distinctly you said to me, cheeky bugger, you wouldn't ask Paula Radcliffe that. <laughs> <laughs> and then when he won, like in Paris, I thought, bloody hell, there you go. She showed, she showed me. <laughs> she was yeah, dead right. I suppose, yeah, I suppose there was an element of that, like, that, you know, I did get asked that a lot, not just by yourself, but by, most people because I guess it was just like especially running on the track like females tend to do well uh, late in their 30s you know running the sort of marathons and stuff like that but you know on the track it's not as common um obviously Joe Pavey continued to run on the track we're we're the same age you know continues to run the track pretty well well very well into her 40s um so yeah it did it, it was like a little bit of a yeah I you know I proved my, I proved everyone wrong a little bit, yeah, you know, by yeah. by having that year, because <clears throat> I um you know ran I ran really well over sort of 10k on the road as well. I made the worlds for um 5k that yeah. summer as well, you know. So it was you know it was a really great year. And then I got injured the year after. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 2011 was a great year for you. You know, 31, 45, 10k, fifth in the Great North Run as well. Yeah, yeah, that was my half marathon debut as well. So that was a really good run, um, I think, because mm. I'd come off the back of a 5K track season as well. And I'd done um, 5K in Daegu. And then I think I'd run like Zurich, the the final um, 5K of the Diamond League or whatever it was called then. Um, I didn't really run that well. And I remember <laughs> I got a phone call off... Um, I think it was off Pete Riley actually, who coincidentally is now my boss. Um, oh, really? He was with a great, great run, and sort of said, "Brendan says you're you're done." You know, like I'd I'd got um I'd got a deal to run the the half and a few other races for Great Run. Um, uh, so can you run the mile on the Saturday? So I was like, oh. he said, just jog around the half, just jog around the half. He's just we people dropped out of the mile. Can you run the mile? So it was like the Great City Games on the Saturday. So I was like, right, okay, I'll do it. So I'd like, I remember that week and I was shattered and I, John would said, just do like a little 10 minute tempo run. And I couldn't <clears> even run under six minute mile in on this tempo. I was like, John, I'm absolutely, I don't know if I'll even get around this mile, you know, I'm, I'm done, I think, you know, the season's been long season. Anyway, did the mile, came second to Hannah England, like ran really well. I was like, I feel all right here. So uh, I remember going to the going to the physio after the mile, who is like a physio I saw at home, and he's like, "What's your fueling strategy for the half?" And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and I was like, again, I was just like, not really even thought about it too much because I'd sort of thought, well, you know, even Brendan thinks I'm done, you know, so I'll just yeah. see how it goes. So I set off on this half, 
the first five miles I thought I was I was blowing after about three miles but then I looked around and thought and Joe Pay who was running as well and thought she looks like she's blowing a bit as well so I just sort of then I just sort of got in my rhythm and I felt really good and the last mile I nearly caught Joe. I could see she was sort of weaving a little bit ahead of me but my cars were about to blow up because you know when you run down that hill onto the front in the South Shield is it South Shields um my cars were absolutely in bit so I just thought get to the end so obviously it's London 2012 it's a big deal for everyone for the whole country um you obviously want to make the team but um it didn't happen did it this this uh this year no it was so disappointing you know again I was I'd done a good indoor season I was running feeling really good um and then I started getting like pain in my foot in about the April which was plantar fasciitis um and that really put pay to my sort of dreams. I mean, I, I actually went and did the trials. I was like running on one leg, really. Um, but I just needed to know that I'd done everything I could to sort of, you know, if you don't make the team, you're like, right, well, I've not made the team, you know. So it's sort of easier for me to sort of deal with having done the trials, even though, even though it was like half a, half a leg performance. Yeah. So, yeah, it was really, you know, really disappointing. But... At the same time, I absolutely loved London 2012 oh, <laughs> <laughs> because um, I'd I'd bought tickets for well two tickets for like a lot of the athletics because um, I just I'd, I was serving as a on the athletics um, members panel, so I was allowed to apply apply and buy tickets. So I'd bought um, my family some tickets. So we had tickets for near enough every night of athletics, oh, wow. um, e- even if they were like 20 quid tickets in the, you know, in the, in the gods. So Neil's like, do you, want, do you still want to go? I'm like, absolutely want to go. And we went to every night of athletics. I mean, it was a little bit emotional walking in, I have to admit, but mm. I absolutely loved it. And, uh, oh yeah. Super Saturday, were you there for Super Saturday? I was there for Super, Super Saturday. Wow. It was amazing. So yeah, wow. we, you know, we, fully embraced being spectators of the 2012 olympics so uh yeah which again you know that might seem really weird when you sort of were hoping that you would be there but i'm a big fan of athletics and you know you know it's absolutely wonderful to have that in in the uk and you know and the like you say super saturday and you know one of my best memories was seeing my friend Stuart stokes walk in the stadium you know he'd been again somebody who'd sort of missed out on teams quite a lot and you know just just things like that you know they're they're things that you sort of remember um and good memories so yeah mm. even though it's like disappointing I happily yeah. sort of embrace the Olympics it's amazing how many athletes you speak to it was on the team though who because you know the the intensity of the occasion just didn't enjoy it at all yeah, you know, yeah. obviously the ones that won the medals loved it <laughs> yeah I, I think I think that's true I think that's true though because you know it's such it was such a huge massive on un, you know unrepeatable occasion that they just got a bit everyone got a bit wound up embedded yeah. into it and, and it just yeah, became so true. intense and and they just couldn't enjoy it um it, you know if they didn't win a medal it was, wasn't an enjoyable experience it's a, a funny one so maybe it was maybe it's worked yeah. out for the best for you maybe, maybe yeah maybe. yeah so you did I mean you, you are you did go to the Glasgow Commonwealth Games uh and you got to the final there 5,000 meters um yeah but, but but when did you when would you say you stopped being a competitive athlete or when did it when did you finally say one minute after the final of the Commonwealth Games <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, that, that was the point, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was a little bit like, I just thought after, because I'd had the injury in 2012 and then I broke my foot in 2013. So it's just like, and then I was, you know, continuing to train. I was like, right, 
I think I could maybe make the team for Commonwealth. So that was just like, it was more like, I just wanted to make, see if I could still do it. Mm. Um, my race there was not good. You know, it was really disappointing. And after that, I thought, yeah, I was 40, you know, made Commonwealth Games at 40, which is still you know pretty amazing. The other 40 year old in the race won a medal joe <laughs> you yeah, know so yeah. but still it, you know it's still pretty you know think if you think two of the 5k team with 40 years old that's man that's mental isn't it yeah um yeah. i think all, all that you mentioned joe there a few times I mean, and what you were doing as well it just changed perception of what was yeah possible for a, absolutely, a, you know, a, absolutely. older athletes yeah you know. it's true it's true you know we just i think as long as you look after your body and you yeah. enjoy what you're doing and you're getting some sort of fulfillment from it then you can carry on um mm. for me it was just like I thought yeah I'm satisfied with what I've done at that point I did continue and did a little bit of road running just sort of for fun yeah. and I did a little bit of pacemaking the following year um because I was still training pretty you know still pretty fit but I had no intention of, of racing sort of properly on the track after that um so I, you know the next couple of years I did a little bit of just low-key stuff road running because I was mm. I was coaching at that point as well and still I was running with one of the girls I was coaching quite a lot mm. so I'm still reasonably fit um but yeah I was I was no regrets never thought mm. one minute oh I should have carried on a bit longer um I remember going to sit and watch the British champs outdoors the following summer with my sister and she's like oh how do you feel I was like absolutely fine no <laughs> I can't believe I used to do it you know I can't believe I used to stand there and you know put myself through that yeah. Um, so yeah you know it was like totally the right time for me to do that and I, and I guess I, I guess for me because I've stayed involved in the sport beyond competing I've not had that sort of real sort of loss that a lot of people feel yeah they finish a sport I've I've kept involved quite you know in through coaching doing team stuff you know I've done a lot of the GB sort of under 20s European champs European cross country I did the Commonwealth as a team coach um in uh, Gold Coast you know so I've kept involved in that respect and then now in the last few years you know coaching for my job um Mm. you know so it's kept me part of the sport part of that routine that I'm so used to so I think like for me that's really made the transition from sort of being a professional athlete to the next part of your life quite easy. yeah it's been no sudden end does there for you as it were yeah no sudden yeah closure of it just before you get on to the coaching just I, I would pick at you as a very versatile athlete extraordinarily versatile with your you know, quick 1500 meters you've run a good half marathon as well steeplechase do you think that's a good thing or do you think in some ways, you know, you would have preferred to be, you know, a specialist in an event? Um, and, and actually, like in my, three, is 3,000 metres the best distance for you, a flat 3,000 metres? Is that, is that your best? Yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah. So it's a shame that wasn't a, a champs outdoor sort of champs distance. But I, guess, I think if you're, if you're a good endurance runner, you need to be good at quite a few distances anyway. You know, if you look hmm. now at the the best 1500 meter runs they can usually run a good 5k and the half decent 800 you know so I think you need to be versatile you know look at Ailish look at Laura Muir you know they can run any any event they want and yeah. run it very well you know so I think that helps actually if you're versatile and if you can step up the distances you know if you're an out and out 800 meter runner like Keely Hodgkinson but she can probably you know she can run 400 you know then you may be more likely to stay in that area whereas I think if you're 1500 up you can be a bit more versatile um and for me it's 
it's give, it gave me longevity in compet, you know, competitive running, being able to sort of switch it around and have a, you know, try it something else. And I think, you know, that was a good thing. It kept me in sport for longer. So for me, I think it was a, mm. it's been good to be versatile. And maybe, you know, it's like maybe I didn't find my true event till the end of my career. In my brain and my heart, I'm, I'm 1500 meter runner. <laughs> like now I think oh, I was 50, like for me, that was the biggest part of my career was running 1500 meters. But, you know, the, the steeplechase was a tiny bit of my career and the 5K and 10K was a tiny bit of my career um but yeah maybe I was could have found that sooner so being versatile helped me sort of get to that point eventually hmm. and just uh, just there's a lot of athletes around that time female athletes uh, you know, to tap into really like people like you know Jenny Meadows you trained with her for a while but Joe Pavey was a you know contemporary of yours Paula as well yeah. which did you ever did you ever share ideas train together or what was the or, or, or um, were, you, were you rivals or were you friends um, or a bit yeah, we're, all, we're all really good friends actually I mean often train we've more on training camps that you sort of hang out together I often shared with Hayley Tuller um on competitions and training camps we were good pals we didn't often do that many sessions together train with Gemma Simpson quite a lot because John Nuttall and Mark Rowlands were sort of worked together so if we were on camps we'd often do bits and bats together um and Joe was often on camp you know um Paula would be in Kenya me and Paula shared in Kenya for a month one time you know so you do sessions together and bits and bats together and talk about training and that sort of thing so I'd say you know we're all quite good pals actually and you know there was no real rivalry as such in training you know just on on races where you sort of put that head on and you want to beat each other but yeah I was, I was lucky that there was it was a sort of era where there was a lot of us who sort of were around for quite a long time and we we knew each other from cross-country track that sort of thing and it was the same group of, of yeah. girls and that was really nice actually good good so you're you're, you're on the coach you started into coaching then how did the coaching journey start for you um well I'd done my coaching award a long time ago me and Jenny Meadows actually did it at the same time um I don't think what year it would have been maybe like 2007 eight, right. something like okay. that yeah, yeah so we we just both did it um did the course at Manchester um and I just thought oh, it might be something I'll do sort of going forward but at the time I just thought I'd do it at the time and then I just sort of almost sort of it it was um I fell into it a little bit and there was a guy who used to run for GB at my club a junior athlete as well, a bit younger than me. Anyway, he'd, he'd been out of the sport for a long time and I just bumped into him on a run. So I was like, oh, why didn't you come training again? You know, just come and join my sessions, just train with me. Um, and he just came along to sort of do my training. And then quite quickly, I realised that he needed to have, a, you know, he was he was getting too good. So then I just started writing him a plan. Um, and then that's where, I guess that's where it started. And I guess I I was sort of, in a way the leader of my group so I trained with lads a lot here in Preston and although it wasn't me setting the training at the time I'd sort of bring the group together I'd sort of explain what we were doing and maybe like tweak it a little bit for certain people um so I just naturally did that I guess for a long time just because I wanted people to train with um so that you know that just naturally happened and then a few people started approaching me and at the time I was like look I'm still running but you know we if you want to come down and I set your training and you know so we just did it like that um 
Yeah, and then I guess in terms of the, so I was just coaching a small group really at Preston and then started getting asked to do the sort of team stuff once I'd finished my running. So obviously that's more like team support, I suppose, you know, going to competitions with um, athletes and helping them out, you know, major competitions. That that was really, you know, good experience. And then I, I got a job at um, the Leeds Hub. So that was a coaching job. So that was my first sort of official co- paid coaching job, I suppose. That was a part-time. That was just when the Hubs first got set up. So mm. on a part-time basis, um, I really loved it there. And then from then I got offered the opportunity to come to Team of Balance Manchester, which I've been, I've been there for a year now. Well, just over a year started in February last year so yeah it's it's just sort of all been sort of quite organic really how how it's developed over time but you know um so I guess I've done quite a lot of in the background you know that you know for England athletics or you know mm. team stuff as well as you know just the coaching at, at my locally um before I started working officially as a, a coach yeah, and I suppose your longevity and like you, your, again, your versatility as well will make you actually an ideal candidate to be a coach. What, but what, what do you know now that you wish you'd known when you were an athlete? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, what would the a coach Helen tell athlete Helen to <laughs> to do? I'm not sure actually. I think I think it's just sort of never shut your mind to, to new ideas which I probably didn't do anyway you know I probably always sort of was thinking what what else can we do um but I think that's that you never stop learning um and always sort of try and you know be versatile around things and not like for me I, I was probably an athlete that if it was written down on a piece of paper I would do it you know right. good yeah. bad or ugly I would just do it and I was pre- I was quite lucky I didn't get very many injuries or illnesses and I sort of you know that was probably my um strength was being so consistent with my training and I think but I'll, equally as I got older I would you know I knew when to you know if I was sick I would take a day off if I was you know and I think that's the, something that you learn over time and it's something I probably I see a lot of athletes just battling through you know sicknesses or and pretend you know not admitting to things uh, injuries and things and I think you can often nip things in the bud if you're if you're if you're honest with yourself and I think that's something I learned as I got more experienced and hopefully that's something I can pass on to athletes I coach now is just to sort of you know trust that having a rest day if you're sick it, it not is probably going to be better in the long run than battling through and ending up being ill for three weeks you know so things like that just little things really um mm. Can't think of anything else major. Yeah. Probably the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the athletes, I mean, you started working last year with um, Kira McGeehan, uh, yeah, Ireland and Northern Ireland athletes, and that's 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 worked out really well, hasn't it? I mean, she had a fantastic yeah. year last year. Second, I mean, she's get a little bit overshadowed by Laura, let's say, in this country, uh, but second, in the Europeans, Commonwealths, and she had a stormer at the end of the season, didn't she? Three fifty-six in Brussels as well. So that's yeah. been a huge success, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, she's had a great season. Obviously, you know, got to respect the the work that um, Stephen and did with her prior to me joining the team. You know, obviously mm. he left and uh, took the job at British Athletics. You know, so it's. But yeah, I think we were really lucky. We started working. I started at the team in February, um, and we clicked pretty well. And I think you know she, 
it was tough for the athletes actually because you know they had to suddenly trust somebody new and they weren't unhappy with their coach they were in a really great setup so it's not really the common thing in athletics that you usually just choose your coach or you know whereas it was like I was suddenly their coach so that was like probably quite well it was was probably quite hard but thankfully she trusted me you know she chose to trust me and it worked um you know between us we uh we got there and you know through the summer and I think you know the fact that you know she's performed as well as she did this summer is credit to herself for like you know tweaking things and changing things a little bit but also credit to myself and Steve for sort of making sure that it was a really smooth transition um from one coach to the next which I guess that's something else that probably doesn't happen is that you know some there's a fallout and you move coach where this has been a planned transition you know and I think you know we were lucky that that's worked really well um but yeah absolutely I love love working with her and in the rest of the team and uh Mm. yeah excited for the future yeah yeah the other name I'm going to pick out is Hannah Nuttall uh, yeah. and that's kind of it's funny that's gone full circle you were coached it by has. John and now you're yeah. coaching John's daughter <laughs> I know it's it's so uh it's so weird and actually my first coach Jeremy Harris was John's first coach as well so oh, I actually okay. messaged him yesterday to say did you see that Hannah's made the team for Europeans uh yeah, you know it's all started with you um yeah so it's very it's 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 very strange how it's worked out but um yeah really enjoying coaching Hannah I've known her since she was a baby um (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it seems quite natural actually uh, for us to work together and she's absolutely come on in leaps and bounds since coming to the team and having the sort of stuff set up that we've got um so yeah I'm super excited for what she can do in the future and yeah having an absolutely great um indoor season so far so yeah first GB senior vest coming up so yeah really excited for her exciting times yeah yeah um and what would you uh, and how much joy do you get out of seeing the athletes succeed compared to being an athlete what's the difference between that coaching success you, you're getting now and the, and the athlete um, success a lot you get a lot of yeah, a lot of joy from it but it's like so stressful compared to being an athlete <laughs> <laughs> like when you're an, an athlete it's you just step on the line and if you're nervous it's just like well you've just got to do something about it whereas when you're if you're a little bit nervous as a coach you've got to like number one not let the athlete see it um and number two sit there and not be able to do anything about it because it's then on the athlete so you know in in actual competition time that's like that's that's weird when you're sort of used to being able to I sort of appreciate now what my uh, family went through (laughs) when because I feel like you know it's like you just want them to do so well and want them to be happy and um want them to be satisfied with their performance and that must be what your your family and friends feel like when they're watching you and you know they're sort of you just you're just sort of willing them to do well um and that's that's something you don't think you really appreciate when you're doing it yourself you just do it you just get on with it and you're sort of focused on that so that's been the interesting thing to get used to especially at the, the you know the level that some of these guys are competing but yeah I guess I've got the experience of you know competing at so many champs myself that I, I know exactly how these things work and you know um, what goes on so at least uh, at least hopefully I can impart some good information to them on, on how, what happens at a champs and how to deal mm. with it. Mm. Oh, and what about yourself do you still do you still do a bit of running yourself? I do not as much as I should or want to but yeah, yeah. I, I try and run you know as much as I can still um 
like a still go off a few runs with the athletes um, yeah. on their short runs, on their short, easy runs. So I still manage to do that at the moment. But yeah, still like, enjoy my running. It's part of my life and always will be. I always hope that I can go out the door and put one foot in front of the other for as long as I can. So uh, yeah, I'll always run if I can. Good, good. And nothing can, nothing can petty. You wouldn't be tempted by going doing something like a triathlon or one of these crazy endurance uh marathon events you know not you know yeah i i occasionally threaten to do a marathon i'm 50 on my next birthday yeah um and i sort of think oh maybe i should do a marathon so maybe i will i feel like i should because i've not done one um so that might be something that i do as a bit of a challenge myself um but yeah i've no real desire to do any any other competitions to be honest with you i'll just uh, watch people do them instead <laughs> <laughs> fair enough and before we go how do you sum up your career then Ooh. um i just i think enjoyable successful and no regrets from having done what i've done and yeah just i'm looking back you know really proud of what i did Good, good. And looking forward to the European indoors then? Yeah, I'm heading out there next week. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing seeing how they go. Um, we've got, some, you know, the British team's pretty good. So uh, be uh, yeah. be nice to be there supporting. A few memories flooding back as well. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Athletics Life Stories with Chris Broadbent. Please tell your friends and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Sports Social Podcast Network.